Hello and welcome to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and social commentary from an Asian American perspective. I'm your host Marvin Yue, along with my co-host Christine Minji Chang. What up, everyone? And today we're joined by two very special guests.、Uh, sitting across from me is Ada Sang, managing editor of Asia Pacific Arts. Yeah, Ada. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, it's uh, a Asian American entertainment outlet out of、uh, USC, right? Yes. Yes, got it. And、uh, sitting right next to her is. They can't see the fist bump. The fist bump. <laughs> yes, nailed it. And sitting, and sitting next to her is Brian Hu, artistic director of Pacific Arts Movement, the people in charge of the San Diego Asian American Film Festival. Yep, that's right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how's it going? Good. Yeah. Full disclosure: that intro took like five tries. <laughs> I'm gonna stitch it together to make it sound like I did it the first time. So. Full disclosure: Marvin always. Explains all of his blunders. <laughs> people need to know. I mean, there's people、you、out there who need to know that. You know, well, you mean we've had this we're before. Trying to, we're trying to be transparent, trying to show people the art of production. You、yes. know, Ada herself is a podcaster.、Uh, she's the host of the Bullet Train podcast that、uh, we we like to listen to, and Brian's on it too. He's a contributor sometimes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. When I make him come and be the expert, we're not transparent at all. I don't apologize for anything. <laughs> <No> <laughs> exactly. See? <laughs> Unapologetic. Just go. No, actually, the first. Just do it. <laughs> the first episode, I messed up the audio for I think Anna Akana's interview, and I had heard other podcasts. You know, they sort of apologize, like, oh,、I'm, oh yeah, Phil does that a lot in his podcast,、uh-huh. um, um, the Sound and the Fury, where he's like, I'm so sorry, I messed it up, and I was like, oh, do I have to? Apologize for messing up the audio, and I was like, I'm not gonna apologize. Good but then,、you. but then、Good、somebody was like, Oh, you should at least give them a sense so they're not confused. So I did like this really half-assed apology. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like, I was like, it messed up, guys. Sorry, but it'll be all right. Don't worry about it.、Uh, <laughs> I think the world just, is still turning. <laughs> it's just、yeah. personal. Like for me, I like to I like to share. I like to show. You know, the magic podcasting is not really magic. It's just me using technology. But like, I feel like Phil, his personality is very like. For an angry Asian man, he's very humble. He's very kind of like, yeah,、so、oh yeah,、nice. yeah. Everyone says that they're like, you're not very angry at all. Phil's <laughs> <laughs> the nicest guy ever. <laughs> oh, podcasting,、yeah. but it was really, it was really cool because、uh, the Bullet Train podcast. Like I, when I first started this with with Marvin at his very very adamant suggestion. I was unfamiliar with the wor- world of podcasts, and so Bullet Train was actually, I think, the first one ever that I had really listened to、oh, wow. from start to finish because he had recommended it, and like I was like, okay, I、um, should listen, you know, do research <laughs> and kind of get get a gauge because I heard bits and pieces, you know, o- over time. And by recommend, I mean. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Yeah, listen to this. that's basically <laughs> how Marvin recommends things, and that's how I kind of end up listening. To the、him. first time I sent because. The first time I ever send her anything online, any link, she just ignores it. She assumes it's something weird. Because you would send me weird stuff. I'm like, why would you do that? Do you do that to Ada? No. See? Yeah. No. I send you weird stuff. Well, I think she's busy with the with family and and. Well, life. now, but you've known each other. What? How long? Yeah, actually, no. We used to send、we、each said, other、yeah, all、yeah. kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think we we don't think it's weird. We think it's. We think everyone else is weird, is weird yeah, we for, think, not yeah, for not caring. Yeah, for not thinking. Ada's appreciative of the weird stuff because he probably sends her stuff that's actually funny. He sends me like taco songs. Anyways, I want to bring up the song. Songs about tacos. No, I just sent you like pictures of Takashi Kaneshiro and、yeah. Daniel Henney, and that's, that's not. Oh,、weird. that's very、yeah. kind of you. Yeah, that's 
That's not weird. You want me to send you a picture of naked dudes? Okay. No, I don't want naked. <laughs> Just suits. Yeah, suits are great. Anyway. Suits. <laughs> <laughs> well, if right. Ryan's the one sending them to me, then they're in bathing suits. Yeah. Mm. Her face is just like, um. <laughs> no, but no tacos. But yeah, no, I mean, um, so your your podcast is very, I guess, NPR style, very like you tell a story through your interviews and yeah. you, you provide narrative in between. And that first topic you had was about, you know, women and new media, which you know, we've talked about on this podcast as well. And I know it's something that Minji cares a lot about. So that's how I was like, you got to listen to this because I know like I can imagine her listening to him and be like flailing around like in, in agreement <laughs> with everything you're saying. Pretty much. <laughs> I remember I messaged Marvin after. I was like, thank you for recommending this to me. Because usually it's, why the hell did you send me this? <laughs> I hate you. I'm never opening again. Why did I do this? I hate you. I hate you. But this so I was like, angry thank about you. taco songs. It's not taco songs. It's like, Marvin, we work so hard together and there's so many things that we need to do in life. Why did you send this to me and waste my time <laughs> and my brain cells? But we love tacos. I love tacos. I don't want cartoon tacos singing to me. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to spend more time on this. <laughs> we have a fun dynamic. but And I, and it was really cool for me to learn the different styles because, again, I was under a, a certain impression of podcasts just like how we had recorded our first one and then I listened to yours. And it was very interesting because I do listen to NPR. And I was like, oh, so this is consi- – is that a podcast? I didn't know – empirically what defines a podcast you know like is it a specific format or are they all conversational so and it happened to be that you're talking about the exact topic that I you know really love and and feel passionately about so um how I'm actually just curious because when these ideas come up for Marvin like he he listens to them all the time so he wanted us to just kind of contribute our voice like what was that part of like your intent with your podcast like when you first came up with it or was it kind of whimsical and, oh, maybe we should just start recording opinions and like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I think, no, not whimsical at all. Because I think it was something that um, had come up a long time ago and I always thought, no, I don't want to do it because <laughs> it just seemed like it would take too much time. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different because you guys, you know, have someone where you can sort of banter back and forth with and um, it's more free flowing. But um, I didn't necessarily have that because Brian has his own job, so I can't make him come like every week and record something with me. Why not? I guess I could, but... Brian, <laughs> I know. Dedi- so lazy. Why don't you dedicate <laughs> yourself him drive more? all the way from San Diego. From San Diego, whatever. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, but I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I always wanted to do something like that, but it takes a lot of work, and mm-hmm. I, don't know, I, I just didn't know how exactly it would work. So it, it took... It was sort of like took a long time sort of getting like you know first like oh maybe we should do one and then if we do do one what should it look like and if if it looks like this then what needs to happen so it's actually a really really long process Mm -hmm. and then I roped Brian in because actually so we used to be um, co-editors at Asia Pacific Arts but he um, moved he when did you guys when did you go to the Pacific? Two, uh, 2011. 2011. So, I mean, if it, if it were back then, if it was like in 2009, then we could have, I could have totally made him do it every single week. It would, be, it would have been a lot of banter. Yeah. yeah. I would have listened. And we would have gotten in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> we would have been disassociated with the Research One University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we'd be like, oh, this sucks. Excommunicated. Like, why does this person, why do people keep giving him money to make movies? <laughs> 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 the nice thing about your podcast is, I mean, you're, you're pretty good at being critical, but also supportive of a of a scene. 
Yeah. Man, back then we were we were no, ruthless. We were not nice. You know, like that's. In- <laughs> We're thank older you. Now. No, older, wiser. Yeah, no. More. Thank you for that. That's actually that's very <laughs> that's very kind of you to say. And it's it's hard to, I don't know. Like you you want to. It's it's an interesting position that we're in because we get to work with so many artists and that we know personally are very, um, not even personally, but maybe we, we're we're in close cahoots with and we we genuinely respect and see how hard they work and everything like that. Um, for me, I kind of, I find it hard to be like ultra critical the way I would to somebody that I'm completely just like disconnected from. And I just see their work. I'm like, what is that? Like I was criticizing crap since I was a little kid. Like I was like, who, who cast this movie? I thought this when I was like five years old. Um, so, you know, everyone has their critical mind and I, I guess it's like a fine, I mean, I think for us mindset. Yeah. I think for us, cause we come from a more production point of view. So we're not exactly critics, even though, you know, we were. Embedded. We're consumers. We're, like, I yeah, feel like we're consumers everybody has of their art, But because, like, we're so, like, we see how hard people work to create things. I think And it how kind much of, work it takes. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of, um, it's, it, gets, it puts in the mindset where, like, we're, you know, we're glad people are hustling. We're glad people are putting out stuff. Sometimes, Doing stuff. Sometimes we wish they put out better stuff. But we're not going to, like, say... Yeah, never make things again. You know, things like that. <laughs> Would you say that? Never make things. No, no. Wait, say it. No, no, let me say like like in an article. Yeah. We might say it to each other. I think we all yeah. say it to each other, but yeah. right, we, right. we would put ourselves out there because we did come. We are back in were as, we were critics, academics, mm-hmm. and we were we also we saw ourselves as, as consumers in the sense that we didn't know any of the producers. We weren't friends with them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if we did, felt like there was nothing at stake. Yeah, <laughs> and also because we read a lot of criticism. I mean, I grew up reading Roger Ebert, and just yeah. knowing yeah. there could be that critical voice. I mean, who, there's who definitely voice now. Sorry, that's Sorry. like a total other tangent. <laughs> we can go, we can go back. To, I was saying like, oh. um, there's I think there's space for that. I think we need someone to voice that opinion too. You know, I think sometimes um, um, people are just so afraid to be critical, even though it's like it's needed. Because if all you hear is like sunshine and rainbows. Like and you're putting out in the stuff that's you know good but not great. You're never gonna get great. You're not never gonna think about like how can I make myself better. Or some people do, I guess. Some people yeah are on that quest. Like some people are filmmakers to like be better filmmakers, but some people are filmmakers because they think they're awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's honestly that's a, a lot of the feedback culture that I think people fear. But it's also not for me. Okay, just to be completely honest, yeah, I'm scared of like what the f- kind of lashback if I if I said something offhand or disrespectful or whatever, because I definitely don't want to do that. But it is also like with intent, I want to be respectful of people who had the guts to put something out there. Whereas I have all these ideas in my head that I'll never see the light of day because they're not going to be made. And so who am I to criticize, right? But it's a tough because to, again, even though we have these relationships, we are consumers. Like consumers have opinions. Like if I don't like my phone or this microphone or whatever i'm gonna go and be like this sucks and this is not good it doesn't work it's you know broke and you know i don't know we're in a feedback culture and i think because we're a small community it's hard it's hard to be like really brutally honest in that way in a way that's like constructive and not gonna shut down somebody like i'm never making anything ever again (laughs) well that's the hard balance right i think especially when we first started like brian said we didn't have that much at stake because i mean we weren't in the community we weren't trying to be in the community <laughs> you know we weren't trying to build a community like right, you right, guys right. Were. and if anything it was sort of like why is why is everyone so self-congratulatory you know like and the idea of 
like yeah if you just congratulate yourselves all the time then you're not going to reach the outside community because only other Asian Americans are going to celebrate you and then when you go out into the real world everyone's going to tell you how terrible you are and you're going to be so confused right <laughs> and yeah. um, right. And I think what was really harsh I was part I mean part of it was that we weren't really scared of anything because we didn't it's so much harder if you know people right to be like this this is bad this is bad um so it was partially that we didn't know anyone, but also, I mean, Brian's like, you know, you know, he's like an academic. He has been writing criticism since he's been high school, in, in high school. And it's like much more brutal if like you have someone writing a review and bashing your film and it's really, really smart. Yeah, really I was just saying I would not want Brian <laughs> to critique my As opposed to sort of like somebody like on... Um, you know somebody just like oh this sucks i hate this you know but if there's like a full-on article <laughs> breaking down why this is terrible but or, i mean i kind of you know. think i'd rather have that because then like if what you say makes sense i would understand why yeah it is, rather than like people just this saying is awful. Like, this is no, awful this sucks. Think, it's like i don't know I, you, maybe you can talk about how that's changed for you now that you are kind of part of the community not in in a different way mm-hmm. but no but i mean people are so sensitive have you gotten like hate mail or like oh we used to get hate mail <laughs> well it's really weird because i got hate mail from people who are i'm not i'm now trying to recruit their films as a film festival programmer yeah interesting. so i put myself in a weird situation too but i'm, I'm proud of it i'm proud that at, in san diego we we have friends in the industry but we're so we're close enough that we're kind of cozy with them but we're far enough that we don't have to like go out to lunch with them right 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 right. um but yeah it, it's tough i mean the on the plus side when we accept a film it means we liked it but we don't really have to talk to them if we didn't like it mm-hmm. like if we, if we didn't like it i could just end that relationship right there right yeah. but then it's funny though because like you're saying like this is a reality with even like collaboration because we audition music like a lot now it's become heavily mu- music focused back in the day there was a lot more variety but now it's a lot of aspiring musicians who come through and you know, we have our rubric, we have our scoring, we have our revolving staff that kind of acts as that, uh, that what do you call it, like a sample pool of the, uh, like what the audience is kind of consuming and what their opinion and what their take would be. So it, we're not we're not Paula and Simon and, you know, what's the last guy's name? I can't think of the third guy. Something Jackson. Yeah, Randy, Randy Jackson. Jackson. We're not them. Switched out we're not them. industry professionals, but we're kind of coming from like, okay, this is what kind of the general audience. We're the sample. But when you reject people and they don't get what they were initially hoping to do and auditioning is very, very hard because you're being so vulnerable and taking a risk and all that stuff. It's hard to, because you will see people again, because it will push them to work harder. And that's the thing that I think, um, kind of now that we're talking about this, just like rejection and and criticism and the feedback and like getting that brutal, like all the awful stuff that you don't want to hear. A lot of times that fuels a lot of people to work a jillion times harder than good job. You know, like that's just kind of reality. So I feel like, and it's hard because we're all kind of working in this artistic field where artists are the most, they are being incredibly vulnerable. So I think that artists are very, very brave, but you know, they're stereotypically very like insecure and sensitive and, you know, Oh my God, shut up. I'm not dramatic. <laughs> um, but, it's, it's, but it's a crucial part of that, I feel like, the growth. Do you think you know. it's there? Do, do you think that, there, that, that a critical community does exist for Asian American producers? I don't know. Not that I really know about, to be honest. I don't know who sits around kind of like dissecting everything. Right, because I think when we think about feedback, we think about YouTube comments. And yeah, that's, exactly. that's the absolute worst. That's yeah. just, no, yeah. 
No, I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from. Like being, you know, in the community, like we are very self-congratulating because like we're, we take this, we take this stance of like, yeah, we need to be supportive. We need to like, you know, um, keep pushing people. Like even if we don't like it ourselves, like it's there, it's being made, being brought out there. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, if we don't support it, it might die. Right. I think that's kind of. Yeah. Because again, I think there's like this, we're aware of like how fragile that, um, that sense of determination and perseverance, like the wrong feedback could end that life. You know what I mean? Pretty but swiftly. Yeah. But it does like, end up like I do feel like sometimes I'm walking on eggshells. Well, it's not walking on eggshells. It's more like just, I can't be critical because especially in our position as, you know, an org that supports the community. Like I think that puts us in the position where, you know, and maybe that's yeah. not our position, you know, like yeah. we're just, we're consumers. And, but I think it would be great in my ideal high in the sky world that Minji Ching lives in that I'm always aspiring to achieve. Um, I, I would really, um, it would be great if we could build a thicker skin in order to be better creatives by welcoming that to a degree. Obviously like you don't want to be a masochist and be like, tell me all the things that you hate about my project, but no, like, and, and, and being very intentional and, 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 and thoughtful and smart about who you ask again. Cause like, you know what I'm like I go to acting class because I I pay my teacher to give me critiques no one else in my class is allowed to give me critiques that's the way my class is set up at Beverly Hills Playhouse um I put up a scene and my teacher who has been running the school and being part of that community and acting and writing and directing himself he's the one who gives me feedback in a very specific manner to work on my performance and to be honest for me in that position I crave that feedback like tell me what I can do to be better from him if I got a lot of feedback like from other people that I didn't really think got it or like can't articulate why this performance was weak or strong, yeah, you just kind of like, well, what do you know? <laughs> and I think that's kind of something that we as collaboration have been working on, kind of creating that community where critique is not only um, sought after but like appreciated. And I think, you know, we've been doing it in terms of like, trying to create more of a hub, like making our cities a hub for Asian American creators to like be, um, uh, to have the courage to kind of like show off their talents. And I've been seeing a little bit of it paying off. Like I, I didn't tell Minji about this yet, but we just went through auditions for Los Angeles and like 60 people applied for six spots, right? So we just sent out a lot of rejection letters, but they're all very, we use better language, like keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. There's all these other, we have all these other opportunities for you to come out and like be a part of collaboration. And I've been getting a couple, you know, responses where like, thank you so much for your kind words. Like I would love to still be involved somehow. And, you know, instead of being angry about they're kind of like, okay, it's not I'm my time. It's not my time now, but I can still be involved. And maybe one day I'll be in the show, you know, for real. So, I do fear the hate mail. And I'm like genuinely curious as to what you have experienced from like, well, I guess I'm I, like, so what was your job when you were like critique? Were you, Oh, like an actual hired edit, like critic editor, writer oh, okay yeah, he so, just naturally did a lot more criticism okay but i remember getting emails like one was a very very long like his his email back to me is way longer than my original review okay um <laughs> but it was, it was i remember it, a lot of it was saying things like this isn't film comment magazine like a highbrow film magazine mm-hmm. you should, like like what, what's why are you being a critic and to me my response was 
Well, that's, that was, that's my job. Like, <laughs> why is being a critic like fundamentally like objectionable to you? Yeah. So, so that was a long exchange. Some other ones are just like snarky responses, and I kind of like those because <laughs> um, they, they they're trying to be really creative back to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian has a thicker skin than I can. I'd be so sad. I'd be devastated. I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh, it, w- it would keep me up at night, and I would oh. think about it. Mm-hmm. But I, if, if you're if you're in love with your job, which is to to help encourage filmmakers, and you know that's part of the process, right? That's yeah. the thing. I think both are important, right? Like we're not saying like, oh, you need to take all the bad <laughs> stuff down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, like yeah. We, like you, we need the support, but you also need the criticism. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes um, people are too scared of the criticism, and I think more than anything, it's sort of separating criticizing the person versus criticizing the work, right? And I think. Um, I th- I think we did a pretty good job of that. Like we were always criticizing the work, um, but I get it because when you're an artist, your work is you is you. Yeah, yeah. so it's it becomes really personal. Mm-hmm. But I think it just depends on the person, right? Because I don't know. So I I I think if you even as an artist, if you can separate the two, I know it's easier said than done. But it's sort of like so I <clears throat> I d- did like an MFA in creative writing, so we had these workshops. So you know. I remember during the workshops, they always had like, let's go around in a circle and we'll say something nice for, you know, we'll say something good first and then we'll like, and then later we'll like go into the criticism and part of it was sort of, you know, making sure everyone felt comfortable and they're like in a really safe space. And I know they did that for a reason Mm -hmm. because I'm sure a lot of people are really sensitive and you know, you want it to be a safe space and it's really important. But like for me, like I hated that because (laughs) like I just felt like, when people were going around in a circle telling me something nice because they were forced to, I was like, I'm not even listening to this anyway. This is so stupid. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, I really thought the character was fascinating. And you're just like, can we just, like, because, <laughs> you know, because there's part of it too where, like, and part of it is sort of having the confidence, which, I, you know, where you're like, hey, I'm working on this <clears throat> just because this particular piece maybe is not as good as it needs to be doesn't mm-hmm. mean like I'm a bad person you yeah. know so like yeah. so the criticism part to me is how are you going to help me make it better right constructive so, criticism yeah like, so it it's exists. like if the <laughs> if the criticism is constructive it, constructive if it's not like YouTube comments telling you how ugly you are you know like yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah so it's like I'm not we're not talking about that yeah. kind of criticism right where it's just like you should go to hell like, yeah. and, like you know and worse and, yeah. that's like that's like a PG nice right thing. right I'm trying to yeah yeah I feel I mean, like that's helpful, you know. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, when you were saying before, you know, you feel like you're walking on eggshells. I feel like, especially at the film festivals, everyone's walking on eggshells, and I feel like I've gotten people coming up to me like, "Oh, what did you think of that movie?" You know, <laughs> and and like, or you know, like, "Oh, wait," and like they're looking for somebody to tell them they also hate it, yeah. and I'll just be like, "Yeah, it was." it was bad and they're like oh yeah that's what I thought too and you're like <laughs> everybody thought that but they, they're like no no everyone's congratulating them and I'm like oh, it's because they're at the premiere right? and it's like at the premiere that's not the right time to be like congratulations on your premiere it was really bad because of this 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 and this <laughs> what was with that part but, when you like yeah yeah so, do it's that? A, so it's like there's like a time and place right like you want to be supportive when it's necessary but you know you want to also know that criticism is useful yeah yeah, I think it's it's like, but it's like preparing your heart. And I think like the, the timing thing is like so critical because if you're blindsided by something, I mean, it just, it, it impacts you like 10 times or 100 times worse than if you're like, okay, I'm preparing myself, hit me with it. Like what, what can I do to make it better? And if we can, I don't know. 
I mean, like, again, being pie in the sky, but if, if there's some sort of way to make that part of the process. And again, I don't even know. Like, I've never made a feature film. I've never made a film to, like, then well, maybe I mean, they have their process. We've made shows that have gotten bad feedback. Oh, yeah. So, like, we, oh, yeah. we, we get it, too. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, we're, okay, yeah, seriously, though. Let me, yeah, let, let, let us disclose this. We're not saying this from, like, oh, my God, all these things, and they're just subpar. Um, it's, we know what bad, bad production is so how does that like, affect you when you guys get like bad reviews on your show? It shows? kills you. It hurts like hell. But it also like you you're not blind. You saw it. Yeah. And you're like, you know. I mean, for me, like I don't get as depressed about it, but I'm like I, I acknowledge all the things that went wrong, but I'm also looking at like so a lot of things that go wrong in our show, especially since live production is out of our control. So you kind of compartment compartmentalize. My brain is broken, guys. Yeah. Um you got to car- Whatever you gotta put like dividers in. <laughs> yeah, but that's a skill set. But the, see that that that's that's like a it's like a it's like a muscle that builds yeah. in strength over time. And so there's some people who like you get that one crappy experience and then they're done, right? But um, we've been through many crappy experiences, and that for and and again we could sit for hours and explain why this happened the way we did. But end result is we learn from a lot of those, and hopefully. We've we've implemented things to prevent them from repeating the repeatable things. Yeah. There are things that you can prevent in production. Yeah, and for then sure. that's kind of our role to make sure those things are taken care of. I kind of feel like a lot of times though, because we're so into it. Maybe this is how the artists feel too. It's like um, we see all the flaws, we see all the parts that didn't go well. Yeah, and the the general public, like I think they thought it was fine. You know, they they probably didn't have like which is why I'm saying you don't have to disclose everything because it's not necessary (laughs) to draw attention. (laughs) I'm just being real here. I know you're being real. Keep it in 100. I love you, Naomi. But I'm saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, why draw attention? No, I think that's totally true. Back to what we were talking about for Phil's podcast. Like when he apologizes for the sound quality, I always think I would not have noticed. Yeah. If you hadn't apologized for it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I would maybe you would because you pay attention to that stuff again like i like things like and i i i own up to that when i watch movies tv shows whatever again i'm coming from now a different set of lenses i'm not the same consumer of just like oh i go to my nine to five and chill out with my friends and i come home turn on the tv that's not me like i spend my living all my waking days thinking of like how can i be a better actor how can i do a better production oh what, what kind of show would i want to be on and you you nitpick a lot more right and so when i see issues like continuity that pisses me off like i'm like why they do that like <laughs> i think i think that Sorry, I <laughs> you're good. Spilled something. Um, okay, but I think just, that happens just, um, just as much where you know, like I'll say Brian. Brian will write like this <laughs> amazing <laughs> review, <laughs> and it'll be kind of mean, but it'll be true. And just as many people will be like, "Yeah, I'm glad somebody said that," or even yeah. people who worked on it right. will be like, "Yeah, that was it." You know, because people know. You we know, know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Trust me, we've sat through like moments where like, "Oh my god, this is not happening." Like there are shows where I wanted to crawl under the seats. You know what I mean? Because either things were just like not working as as planned yeah. or whatever, but. You know, you, you just live through it. You empathize, but also I think it's again like the car, cardman, the splitting up between um, you know things you can't control, things you can't control. Um, you know, like when we see things happen go wrong that we know you can't control, we empathize. But when we see things go wrong that you can't control, we're like, why'd you do that? You know, <laughs> we shouldn't be so judgmental. Though. Yeah, but that's honestly we're like, what were you thinking? But again, same same kind of like self criticism exists. Well, like, let why me did ask we do that, Brian? Like now that I mean, now that you're sort of like 
you know, one of the faces of a film festival and you have to put yourself out there more. Have you gotten criticism? Um, no, I'm perfect. Not, not really. I mean, what we're pretty good at, so our executive director is Leanne Kim. She, She's awesome. She becomes our, our good cop. Mm-hmm. And I become the bad cop, oh, yeah. uh, which works works out really really well. Mm-hmm. She's the connector. Mm-hmm. I am the disconnector. <laughs> um, but it, it needs to happen if you that don't have that movie. kind of team. The disconnector. <laughs> the disconnector. <laughs> that can be Are your we nickname. About Scientology or what? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, but it's it's a it's a team production, and mm-hmm. uh, we we have to figure this out. Yeah, because we also have to maintain these relationships. Absolutely, it's a very it's a very very delicate. Like waltz, I don't know. Like, like it's it's a because it's it's relationships that are very genuine. They're real, and again, I think people can look at Hollywood and and know that it exists. But like, there's a lot of or just in the arts or just in business. Come on, in life, there there are relationships that are kind of like primarily opportunistic. But there are others just like you really genuinely believe in people. You want to back them and you want to make sure that they succeed because you really believe in them. And that's the primary, especially when we're working with artists, like we really want to make sure that people that we're supporting is it's like for real, for real. We're not doing this because we're going to like benefit off of you or whatever. It's like a win, win, win situation. And it's hard because like there's things out of your control that happen and like, yeah, you had this relationship with her, but then you genuinely, for the quality of your festival, Right. Or like whatever, like collectively your team couldn't back it. I mean, that's a hard decision, but that decision has to be made. And we do it out of respect to our audiences. Right. Who don't know. They're not friends with any of these people. Yeah. To them, they just want to see what they're going to enjoy. And we have to respect that. Right. And I think it's always exciting to be able to tell filmmakers, look, Asian American cinema is so strong right now that Mm -hmm. we even have to reject your film. Yeah. Like there are that many talented filmmakers out there. True that. True that. I'm like, I'm learning about that right now. Because I'm finally going to the film festivals with, with actual films that I can sit down and watch. That sounds so Amy Poehler, Parks and Rec, but like that's literally how I simplify it. I haven't been able to go to a lot of these film festivals. I really want to go to San Diego one. I haven't been to that one before. It's during a star. Is it? Yeah. We'll go before. We'll go after. before. Yeah. No, before. Well, I'll go. Opening, that's the thing. So opening weekend is the weekend before, so we'll, we'll be okay. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I feel like the idea of supporting Asian American film, right? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I think whenever I criticize something and I think about somebody saying I'm not supporting Asian American film, I think I have watched so many crappy Asian American films (laughs) you have no idea, right? Me and Brian have watched, and like all the programmers of all these Asian American film festivals have watched so many terrible films to find the good films, Mm -hmm. you know? And like even some of the ones that they play, sometimes they need to fill a certain, you know quota or something so so oh, i've been part yet. of awful film festivals like yeah. honestly i'm very i mean i i i keep saying that i'm an actor because that is what i want to do and you need to affirm it so whatever i'm not you guys i'm not putting this out there like i've done so many projects but i've done a handful of small projects in san francisco but you know so when i'm entered into film festivals and i get to see the results i'm like truly amazed at how much people can do with nothing, you know, like a zero dollar budget, but with just creativity, the right yeah. framing, you know, really scrap. Like, I'm so impressed. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I'm like, how are these entering my eyeballs, my retinas right now? I don't want to see this. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, there is that. And it's a spectrum. And I think it's better to have the problem of like, we have so many to choose from. Yeah, yeah. Or well, what I mean we by that, enough. we've seen so many crap. It, it wasn't really like a complaint, but it's also like, 
the, in the future, like when you make an Asian American film, we're the ones who are going to keep watching it. You know, yeah, I mean? so we're forever. supporting it in yeah. that way. You yeah, know? like most people will watch it and then never give Asian American film a chance again, right? Right. But like we're the ones who've been watching it for like years and years and years, and we're still looking for something good. You know? Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what do you have favorites that you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I I think the the best Asian American narrative feature in oh, the yeah. last like five years or something is Patrick Wang's In the in Family. In the Family, yeah. Oh, it's, I haven't watched that. And yeah. this is like oh, we were talking earlier about how I feel like a lot of the best Asian American filmmakers don't live in L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, he lives in New York, but he shot this in... It, it's set in Tennessee. Wow. And it's, it's it's a very Southern film. In the Family. And it's about a, a Asian adoptee in who grew up in the, in the South. Awesome. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, yeah, there's nothing yeah, like it at all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really have to see this. I see again. I take your recommendation. But when you watch it, you'll you you won't even recognize it as an Asian American film. It's like so far. Uh, it's the complete opposite of what we see being produced in LA, especially of like the, the kind of the Wang Fu mold. Right. Well, I mean, that's it's it's. I feel like that's what I'm learning now. Is like there's so many different styles, and there's so many different ways that um, because it's the same in all film. I mean, we're like kind of putting this whole like Asian American label on it, but in all film, like you can tell when like Judd Apatow does a movie, like he has that his his like super hilarious in his specific way kind of comedy movie, right? Um, versus. Who, like a Jack Black movie. Those are different. You know, everyone kind of has their different style. And, their way. and you can't, sometimes I feel like it's apples and oranges. Like, I feel like there's there's humor in so many different ways. So like, Well, it goes back to like another. what we talked about, like the last podcast, like perspective, right? Yeah. Like, it's art subjective. is all about just like putting your perspective and letting other people see it. Right? Yeah. Because how you see certain things. And Asian American, in general, it's like we have a broad set of perspectives. It's just not one story. And I think, you know, because, you know, in LA, we kind of, we live in this bubble, right? Like we kind of share experiences, but like there's all these perspectives from our community, like something that we, we learned through just traveling around to our different cities. Like every city has its own kind of different perspective of what it means to be Asian American, what it means to be Asian in our community. Right. right. And I think, you know, sharing that, like, or like putting a, putting a magnifying glass on that through film, through art is kind of, it just adds to our story. Right. And I think that's cool. And that's, that's, I'm like super, I really want to see this film, but we were talking about the whole adoptee thing because we were talking about Twinsters, which we saw yesterday. Twinsies? Stop it. (laughs) He keeps calling it Twinsies. Um, It's Twinsters uh, by Samantha Futterman, and she just did such a phenomenal job. It was just really beautifully shot as an incredible story. It's like you, you can't write the shit. Like it's, it's real life. And um, she did such a great job documenting it. She had the idea to like shoot stuff on her iPhone before it even like became this film idea. But it's like a narrative versus documentary and even documentary styles. Like there was Samantha's and there's Dan who's a love, oh, you know, great friend of ours, Dan Matthews doing his Danny K. Dan documentary. Both of them finding out they had twins. I mean, it's just ridiculous uh but like those styles are even different and so i love it i love the different colors and like that there's different versions of the same thing i guess um because that's where i think creativity really just kind of blows your mind like you take one topic but you tell it so differently so the filmmaker refuses to have it stream on anything any device because he's like he's in love with every frame of this film Uh as he should be because he's the creator and it is him right and it's just only on disc Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can share movie. his contact with me. He has a new movie out. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Just played us out by really, Southwest really called The Grief of it. Others. Oh. 
So that was, that was insane. I really wish I watched more films. Actually, I got there at the tail end of the film portion. So Yeah, I mean, you missed Twinsters actually twice. Yeah, I failed again. But we finally saw it yesterday. Do you see? <laughs> you see? Telling it like it is. Calling me out. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. But I already, I'm fine with Samantha, so that's all that I care about. So. She's too busy uh, having fun at South by partying. That's a lie. Now you're just making up hearsay. I'm trying to build your legend. You're by lying. No, thank you. I think I can be legendary. You're not embellishing. You're lying. Um, I was eating barbecue with my family. (laughs) Can't be a party barbecue party. Come on. Family. That's important. Um, I was on a train of thought. Just trying to help you out. You're 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 South by Southwest. I don't know what I was saying. Twinsters. I don't know what I was saying. It's gone. Okay. Okay. So watch in the family. Yes. Well, okay, I'm curious about that too. Well, so he's like, he's very protective over like having it on disc. How come he doesn't want to have it on streaming? Like, because oh, he's afraid that the streaming quality, like, he just, uh, it's a quality control thing. Oh. Uh, yeah. Quality control, but then you're like limiting the, the yeah, people so who can I, appreciate it. Yeah, so something that he's thought a lot about. Right. And I'm very curious. He's kind of old school in that way. He's like THX, the way movies are meant to be heard. No, like, he is so old school that he shot it on digital, but then he, he um, exhibited it on 35 millimeter. Wow. And it's That's the last it. feature film that we we showed on 35 millimeter. So when did that film come out? 2011. Okay. Dang. Has it been that long? Yeah. Oh my god. That's how powerful it was. It felt like yesterday. That's <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. There's lots of movies that I'm like, this is 14 years old. You know what I mean? Like, no. it's happening a lot lately. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> a lot yeah. of movies. I'm like, this is. Amazing. But we can go on. I mean, there are other like H.P. Mendoza's I Am a oh, Ghost. Oh yeah, H.P. Mendoza. Is, is that a ghost mm-hmm. film set in San Francisco? What? Coma. Oh. I really like Coma the musical. Oh, that's one of the greats. Richard Wong. It's a musical. Can you make like a whole list? In and, like we can. That's the city it? of cemeteries. It's a musical about a city of cemeteries and Asian Americans dancing around in it. Yeah. Oh. On top of cars. Wow. I don't think that's their logline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm intrigued. Um, that's like the Rotten Tomatoes summary. <laughs> but I think that's the danger of like, if we're um, celebrating everything, uh-huh. then when we have films we really love, it gets lost in all of the celebration, you know? Because it's sort of like, we've been watching Asian American films for a really long time and it's, it's like... I, when he said, when you asked what Asian American film should you watch, and he started, I was like, I know what he's going to say. When you saw the smile on my face. Yeah, and... I was like, I know well, what he's going to say. first of all. <laughs> well, since we said that's what I would say, too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, if, we're, if we were like, and we love this movie, and we love this movie, and we love this movie, and you know that, like, the last three were, like, not that good, mm-hmm. like, it loses that power when you're like, no, no, this is the Asian American film that you should watch, because it's really, really good, you know? Right, yeah. right. Because it's kind of like the same thing. If you think everything is great, then nothing's great. Because there has to be there has to be like a standard. Like I, there are certain people. To be honest, I have friends. This is not about film or art or anything. But like even food or whatever. Like I've gotten arguments with friends where like you're so hypercritical. Like it's annoying. Stop being so like whatever. But I notice that when they do applaud something, usually it's true. They're on point. They're on point. And you know I. It, it kind of like you're like oh wow like yeah I really and then when they and then when they are kind of like not as like I'm a very but I'm, I mean it I, I I like to applaud people that I love I love to give them encouragement and I'm a very verbal person clearly but when people are not verbal but then they, they take the time to like tell you like I thought that was a really good thing you're like 
oh my yeah. god you know it suddenly means so much more so i kind of you know and i think i don't want to make it seem like we're elitist or anything no 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 you're but saying, i feel like there's so films like ping pong player which i know a lot of people will sort of be like what like, didn't you watch like, that i watched that yeah like i love that i love movie. that one too i liked it i liked it a lot <laughs> I love yeah that he, movie. he told me about that one yeah 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 it was fun. So, but I feel like there's always, there's also movies and film festivals where people will be like, oh, they don't really like that because it's just like, it's like this really easy romantic comedy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's sort of like, if it's an easy romantic comedy, but it works, you know, like yeah. you believe in it, like that is just People as valid, don't know how you know? hard yeah. easy is. When something's simple, like, I'm sorry, all film, all storytelling is very, very difficult. People try a lot to tell stories and don't succeed in telling it well even something ultra simple and so like yeah that's like if if it makes it look so easy that means the person who did the job did a very very good job and you don't see any of the i mean just talking to our writer friends and like you know people you know from from the industry like just writing dialogue that sounds natural is the hardest thing in the world yeah right because you have to convey all this information but make it sound like they're just hanging out right yeah it's hard we actually I don't want to put my friends on blast, but there was a scene last night. It's not in them. They're amazing actresses, but my teacher got so mad at them. He's like, why did you choose the scene? Because the scene itself was just the dialogue was really, really badly written. And it has nothing to do with the actresses. They were delivering it as best they could, and they're beautiful actresses. But the words that were coming out of their mouth were so like, Oh, you don't remember what I was saying? Well, let me tell you. Oh yeah, now I remember what you were saying. Like it was li- literally like that. So yeah, the writing was. But bad. I mean, think about how helpful that would be if somebody came out and wrote like pieces where they point out stuff. <laughs> you know, where they're like, "This is this dialogue is really really hard for actresses to do. You know, to do well." And then the writers read it. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of helps them write better dialogue. Exactly. You know? That's why they have readings and stuff to yeah. help do that. But then again, it's, I honestly feel like it does come down to like how open you are to being like, okay, maybe my words aren't perfect. Because when you feel such ownership of your work, you're going to be like, you suck. My words are great. And you just didn't deliver it right. You could absolutely take that attitude and just kind of be done at that. That's also what could happen theoretically. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but... For me, coming from an actor side, when you see a really great script or you read a great play and you're like, holy crap, I really want to play this because I feel like this tells an amazing story. Either just not even from the dialogue, but what they also write, obviously, from like the setting and stuff. But like there have been movies where I'm like, this is beautifully shot. Great actors. The director is phenomenal. The writing is garbage. I thought about that about one of the mainstream movies as of late. (laughs) But you know what, though, it's like, I mean, part of it is sort of criticism, but I understand why that's so much harder, because it's, you know, it's public, right? So it's like, it's one thing if people are, if you know it's bad, but it's another thing if somebody writes something that everyone can read telling you it's bad. But I feel like this criticism needs to happen in the very beginning when, you know, you're showing something to your friends, you know? It's like, you need to be open to criticism, and then your friends, if they know what's good for you, need to tell you the truth before you actually spend a lot of time making something and then, and then putting public. it out, then it's like too late, you know, and it gets to Brian. <laughs> and Brian's like, look, this sucks. We can't program this for our festival because yeah. our audiences will walk out and never come to our film festival again. And they'll walk out and think Asian American films suck. 
I'm never watching an Asian American film again. And there's no good Asian American actors, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, they're just trying. And, you know, it's like, it becomes sort of like a charity case. People think of it as like, oh, yeah, I'll support you. But you don't want that, right? You want people to know, no, there's actually good work out there. And they're drawn to that. And they they can expect that quality walking into it. Like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great variety of, you know, all these different things that I'm just going to enjoy. That's the hope. But uh, what Ada's talking about, like being able to be a critic before it's even completed or still in, that's something that I've had to learn to do. Uh Because in the past, I've only seen the final products and I will praise or criticize it depending on on the final product. But now filmmakers are coming to me with their scripts, with their treatments. I think that's awesome. But I don't but see that's a different kind of skill I think to be able to coach them through that. Right, right, that's right. That's something that I, I'm I'm still learning how to do. Right. But I, I see the responsibility that Ada is talking about. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you like ask the right people? Because everybody says like, oh, it's the the right answer comes from asking the right question. I think the right question, but to the right person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I have a car problem, I'm not going to ask you know a chef how to fix my car. Period. <laughs> like, what do you know about cars? Like, you focus on food every day, right? You go to the right person to fix your problem. So I feel like that's also where we're maturing as a community like as a creative community and i think people just need to kind of put it out there like oh i'm an editor or like whatever like own that and be if you have a really good critical eye and you know have some acting background or whatever to kind of be able to put yourself in shoes like actors are not gonna it's not gonna flow it's not gonna it's not gonna read um that's like a super refined and necessary skill i don't want to make it seem like it's simple because it's it's one thing to kind of point out the issues and then there's another thing to kind of figure out how to fix it right right but i think that you know if that happens in the very beginning it's so much easier because i think once you're invested then it's hard to change stuff you know Mm -hmm. i think i mean i even think about that like making podcasts you know and it's sort of you know we're just sort of talking about our last episode Mm -hmm. and then i think when i give it to brian earlier it's a lot easier you know if he's like oh this this it should be like this like, oh, you, maybe we could have this kind of interviewing instead. And it's like, you're like, okay, yeah. But then if, if like, somebody tells you something, like, when it's almost done, it's sort of like you recognize that they're right, but you're not going to fix it because it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm then, sorry, but, Marvin. But at the same time, it's sort of like, for me, it's like, but then you recognize that, and that just is how it is. Because you also recognize part of the process. Sorry. Oh, part of, part of the process of creating something is that, you know, you don't, get it right every time you just but you just keep doing it and you keep doing the best you can right right that's a, I think that's a hopefully like a, a maturity thing just to be open because I was just deathly yeah. afraid of anybody having a thought <laughs> other than something of absolute congratulatory praise yeah. about anything I did it like it would crush me I would be so hurt and like I suck, I fail, I should never do this again. But certain things, I think, like well, I mean, the, just stuck. <laughs> the artistic role and the creative, like creators and critics, have had a relationship since like the beginning of art because it's always like you're putting it out there as people are evaluating it. And I think in the sea of really crappy internet YouTube comments, having a well thought out critique is actually more refreshing these days because like it gives you something to you know go back and forth about or just you know something more concrete to know why people think your thing is not as great as you think it is you know i think that's important then like like these days i think you know going back to what you're saying about like having like critique circles and like talking about good things first and we do that in our organizational life too kind of like when we debrief on events we always talk about what went well first because it's a precautionary measure because a lot of times when you start talking about things that went wrong it snowballs and all people want to talk about is everything that went wrong because like it's really it's easier to criticize like, <laughs> like yeah it's really easier to crap on something than like admit 
like than to think about what went well because we're all hardwired to think about like you know like our first reaction a lot of times a lot of things is like why you know or what the crap you know wtf you know whatever you know like people reacting to um new batman trailer right batman versus superman i thought it was look cool but i have a lot of friends who are like this looks really crappy you know the first thing they think about is this is gonna suck not even giving a chance for like something they haven't seen yet right and yeah, I think but then you know. sort of know that you contextualize that, right? Like, yeah. if somebody's judging it like that, you don't take that as, you know, seriously. Yeah. Because it's like they're just, you know, looking at something very superficial, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to make it seem like it's really easy or anything. <laughs> yeah, no. And actually, it's, it's, one of the harder things is to actually do, to praise somebody in a way that's also constructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That praise isn't necessarily constructive either. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the difficulties as a critic then is if you're just using the same old adjectives to say how awesome or roller coaster right, even <laughs> all, all like the the cliches of criticism, mm-hmm. that doesn't help either. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you use like rich language and rich descriptions to like to 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 make yeah. a film like give it value? Right. And that's yeah. what we're really striving for. Yeah. Because yeah, if you get a really thought, well thought out critique, I think in some ways it's 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 like really it's like. Almost, <laughs> it's like kind of an honor because they really put that much time, time and thought into your work. You know, yeah. they took it seriously enough to actually write a critique. Because mm-hmm. really, like a lot of times, if it's like, if it <laughs> when when we were writing stuff for Asia Pacific Arts, if it was a film that was like so bad, but nobody would also like nobody would see it either. Then it would be like, there's no point in really critiquing that. You know, it's like you're just kicking them while they're down. <laughs> and I think our worst critiques were more when um, something was being celebrated and we thought it shouldn't have been. You know, mm. if something got an award mm-hmm. and we sort of thought, God, like if <clears throat> somebody outside of our community came in and watched this film and thought, oh, this is the best they can do. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a problem, you know. Different perspectives. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and and then it's not like we're the end all be all of anything. Like you You're know, just a, we're just one voice too. So that's right. another thing to contextualize, right? Right. It's sort of like, you know, just because there's one voice that doesn't like you, that doesn't necessarily mean like you should shut down. You know, like it's Absolutely. just like, but you know, you read it and then you decide whether you listen to it or not. You can not listen to Brian. <laughs> Please don't listen to Brian. You know, right? But I know, like, in one of your previous podcasts, you were talking about when, I think you said you were a teenager or something, and you asked PK whether you um, should be an actress or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, first he was like, no, because it's hard if you can do something else. Oh, shut me down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of like, I feel like um, in an industry like this, this is not stable. You know, I'm counting sort of being a writer as part of it, you know, writer, actors. It's like, you kind of... God, you can't be the type of person who, if you read something bad or you're shut down once, you're going to stop. I actually, like, yeah. I've, I, Marvin's heard me say that story so many times because, like, I really appreciated coming from him. Him saying no to me was, I, I think, one of the best pieces of advice that I got in my life because the time I was wishy-washy about it, I didn't really think about what I was getting myself into. And him saying no to me prompted a lot of reflection and... I did flinch because I was 19 and I was or 20 at the time and I was scared and I was like I'm not ready to have that conversation with my parents I'm in the middle of college like I think he told me the absolute right thing he's like no like you finish school (laughs) go work go get money because you're about to enter like a whirlwind of craziness emotional you know mayhem rejection instability and I needed to hear no so that I could think about it and say how bad do I want this am I going to work harder and deal with all of that um 
or or do something in 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 order so that I can have the ability to do what I want to do, which is like every artist on the sun has to double triple hustle, or is it not worth it? Period. Like it either is or it isn't, and you got to know what it is. And I think what the goal with you know us being as real as possible, as honest, and talk about different hard subjects such as like feedback, criticism, whatever, um, rejection, um, the actual instability. And we had Danny Cho talking about his career in comedy, how many time, how many years he's been at it, and how many times he actually refers to himself as an actual comedian, and like when he thinks it's appropriate that somebody should call themselves comedian or actor or whatever. Like those are hard conversations, but I, I'm hoping that that's something that in a way is like just it's like a, a, a thought provoking moment of like, oh, is this something that I really want to do? Because, yeah, this all kind of sounds like it sucks, but like I'll deal with it because I really want to direct or I really want to write or I really want to act or I really want to be a singer because that's just tip of the iceberg, baby. Like <laughs> I get re- like that's what actors like I, I have my job. Oh, getting rejected. It's getting shut it's down. It's like dating for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. High five. <laughs> yeah. But this, you know, it's like my Let's job. Let's get like, into that. What? Yeah, for real. No. no I no. would like, we could switch gears into this that. This was a great talk, guys. <laughs> I, I like it. No. No, no, no. Like, it's it's always, it's great. Like, we haven't had, you know, someone from, like, the, the media cr- critical perspective on our podcast. It's great to hear your side of it. And also as a, you know, as a um, critic turned programmer, you know, the struggles and, you know. The struggle is real. It's tricky. <laughs> but... We're kind of running long, so uh, okay. <laughs> no. Um, to, to close off the podcast, I just wanted to. We got another um, uh, reader email, so um, if you guys don't mind, um, it's kind of a it's kind of a cool topic, and you know, hopefully we we can uh, answer it. All right, so you guys up for a reader email? Yep. Sure. All right. <laughs> this one comes from um, Brandon from Los Angeles. Hey, Marvin and Minji. Oh, my name came first because alphabetical. Um. Confession, I just started listening to the podcast this week, but I love it. I listen to it during downtime at work, and I'm almost caught up, so I'm not sure if you're still accepting your emails. Questions, we are. <laughs> uh, Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Warning, this is a super lengthy and convoluted. I'll be the judge of that. So, uh, what are your thoughts on cultural appropriation, and how much of someone's culture belongs strictly to that group, and or how much of it can slash does belong to everyone else? Is it insensitive for a non-Asian guy to open and run an Asian fusion restaurant? Some examples of cultural appropriation in pop culture. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with any, including Miley Cyrus uh, bringing twerking into the mainstream media and her use of black dancers as props, Iggy Azalea, um, Gwen, Steph- Gwen Stefani and her Harajuku girls, and Katy Perry's performance at the 2013 AMAs when she dresses as a geisha. Also... What are your thoughts on selling one's own culture? For example, Asian Americans have a long history of selling one's own culture in order to make a living and survive in this country. Chinatowns were and still are major tourist attractions where travelers want to see and experience authentic Chinese culture, and many Chinese end up feeding this industry to make a living. Not talking about running restaurants, but exaggerating exaggerating one's own culture to satisfy uh, what the tourists are looking for, local Hawaiians have suffered from this problem as the tourist industry there continues to boom and native Hawaiians are unable to afford to live there anymore. Um, the ones that can afford to live there find themselves trapped as they're only the only real job opportunities are within the tourist industry where they have to sell their own culture um, and lose the sacredness in certain events and dances in order to appease tourists. 
I know this is a really long question, but I would love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Thanks. Smiley face. Any thoughts? Wow, Brandon. <laughs> this is like so. Okay, guys, get ready for another hour. Uh, <laughs> this should. This is a wow. It's a whopper. We can start it off and like come back to it next week. Katy Perry. Look, I'm trying to look something up so you guys talk over it first. But um, the 18 Mighty Mountain Warriors mm-hmm. did a video <laughs> where they talked about the difference between reappropriation, yellow face, and something else. But let me look it up. Ooh, can't wait to hear that. I think, well, on one hand, to answer the first question about like the appropriation, I think when it's done with like respect or worth from like, like, there's a lot of non-Asian people who, through our generation of, like, you know, all of us coming to this country and being born here, have grown up with among Asians, amongst the culture, and have developed an appreciation for it. And I think, especially in terms of food, like, you know, if they can, you know, provide that, it's like, again, providing perspective, right? If they can, you know, take what, what they've, you know, grown up or love about, you know, another culture and kind of find a way to bring their own perspective to that, um, I don't see that as a problem i mean there's um the guy from I, the name um escapes me but he's a like a white dude that is a renowned expert on thai food he just opened a restaurant in chinatown called pok pok and like he's you know being celebrated as someone who like kind of is appreciating but also bringing his own viewpoint into traditional thai cuisine and i think that's pretty awesome i mean it's i feel like the cultures are always going to be evolving especially just like this is the world we're living in everything's getting so much more globalized everyone's getting a lot more access to other cultures and then they're going to kind of put their own spin on that i think that reappropriation like that word becomes applicable from what i understand i honestly felt like that was a word that i just like the the subtext or the the context of which it was used just that conversation made my head hurt to be honest i would kind of avoid using it or talking about it because i was just like i don't want to get into it that's just my honest answer but i what what i understand is that when you are kind of putting it on as a costume that you can take off and like not fully understand the the nuances or like the depth of it and it's just very superficial and and kind of like you know what i'm saying like for jest Mm -hmm. i think it's garbage like why you can't stick chopsticks in your hair sorry Katy perry but that was just no like, but she has a ten. Her and her team have a tendency to do that. Here's the thing: I'm a fan of Katy Perry. I lo- her music, holy crap! I-, I posted that on Collab Star last year. I heard "Roar" in the morning of Collab Star, and I almost started crying. Like, I love her songs. They're catchy as hell. She's talented, whatever. But that those those particular moments when she chooses to do the whole Egyptian video and and then become a geisha, which is like wearing that hodgepodge of an outfit. I don't know what the hell she was wearing. It was like. There was like Japanese cherry blossoms going on, but she was wearing like a blend of like a Vietnamese and a Chinese. Like I don't know what was happening, but that was I thought it was in poor taste personally. Um, but that was one of her choices of many. I don't think Katy Perry is like an awful person, but I'm wondering like, did her team ever stop anybody in her team stop and go, is this the best idea? Are we doing this in the most respectful way possible? She's saying that she meant it. Now, just like not believe her, but. I suspect her team, I mean, the fact that she did the Egyptian one and the Asian one, they were probably patting themselves on the back. Yeah, like, they think they're awesome. Look how many different cultures we can represent and pay, tri- and pay tribute to. And they think they're probably being multicultural through all of this. Yeah. Um, no, and, and the attitude, and we see right through that because the attitude of superiority of, you know, we have the privilege to be able to, to wear these costumes where if everybody else has, that's their actual history. That's their life. And that's, yeah, it's just, 
I mean, that's uh, that's why the whole movie with Dear White People was made, you know, because there are these parties going on all over the country in college campuses of like, let's have a a blackface party or let's have like a, you know, Mexican party where you uh, just have like, in my school, UCSD, the, the Compton yeah, cookout. Yeah, yeah. That's after I was gone, though, but. I mean, no, then it's a mockery. It's like without true understanding or respect. And I think that in that with that intent and with that disregard and that ignorance, I think it's 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 infuriating. It's saddening, um, but it's real. People are calling out for what it is. Again, we're if we're on the topic of criticism, that's mm-hmm. my honest opinion. Yeah. I think it's stupid, um, but I don't think everyone's trying to be malicious all the time. But the more that we talk about it, the more people can understand. And sometimes we get. It goes the other way, and they're really like hypersensitive, and you're like, "Well, that's chill the, out." <laughs> the problem is when they want when they don't they want to cut off the conversation. They don't want people to talk about it, and, and that's yeah. the issue. Yeah. If they're open to the actual conversation, then I think that this cultural appropriation and this kind of trading is actually really exciting. Yeah. Because it gives it a, a forum in which to to have these conversations. It's a pendulum, yeah. you know what I mean? We're gonna like keep going back and forth until we kind of find like where we're actually having the right the whatever the right com- that's like the wrong yeah. word, um, but keep talking about it because then you, it becomes a more sophisticated conversation versus like is this racist or is this not or like is this appropriate you know yeah because it's, it's really complicated i don't think it's about whether you know it's right or wrong it's more how it's done right? yeah how like it's, it's done. not because i think if you, we go too much to the other side and say like oh katie perry's white so she can't appreciate japanese culture yeah and, you know, like we don't want to go too much on that side either no i'm that's um, not what i'm saying yeah, no no, no yeah. i know you're not saying that yeah. you know but it's sort of like when they're you know the internet it's sort of like oh it's terrible oh, it's amazing you yeah. know um but it's i i won't it's such a complicated question but yeah. because like these terms are really complicated too that's why i thought of the 18 mighty mountain warriors yeah do you guys know them (laughs) so why you're here so like so they're like this um asian american sketch comedy group and they're really hilarious and they have and they really tackle these really really complicated topics for a youtube video so they have a youtube video where they're doing the difference between they're trying to explain the difference between yellow face appropriation and whitewashing and i think it's um done through like rock and roll or something it's kind of a ridiculous video cool. that's not really that helpful but it's on youtube no, but now, right? now we can share it yeah go search 18 mighty mountain warriors and those terms that you just said <laughs> I you know what it was really stupid um i did i searched 18 mighty mountain warriors and those terms that i for or I, I couldn't find it at first and i was like oh there it is and i clicked on it and it was totally the Coriam article that i wrote <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Hey, that's some good that's SEO great. there. That's, good that's job, Corey. That's kind of embarrassing. Oh, <laughs> but, but I like the second question that the reader or the, the listener asked. Yeah, that's about, interesting. Let's, let's move on to that one. So, so there's yeah. one issue of like white people donning the like, an Asian look or something. Mm-hmm. But what happens when Asian Americans do it? Because, I mean, if we fixate on authenticity, we don't really have it either. We grew up yeah, in, we grew up in yeah. LA or yeah. went out in the US. So yeah. who are we to be able to say... <clears throat> Um, so is it right when you when an Asian American opens a restaurant called like Oriental or, Oriental restaurant or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. Oriental Chinese food Golden Dragon yeah. Is, yeah or Golden Palace like is is that perpetuating or is that just them trying to appeal to a mass audience Yeah I think it depends I I mean the whole Chinese there's this great documentary called um, The Search for General So um, which is produced by Jenny A um, about based on her you know her book and her article but it's all about how Chinese food spread and became kind of the most the most populous um, fast food restaurant like group in like the United States and it's just like it was because of survival right at the beginning like we were like Chinese people were cooking these you know essentially fried chicken like uh, boneless 
chicken wings with sauce to to the white people because that's what they can sell to them and you know that's that's what the communities wanted um but now we're getting into what you're talking about now like the next generation i think part of it is probably picking up where like the family business but the other part is we kind of grew up with the chinese food too so like when we like when we when some people like if that's all you they knew knew, like that's what they're going to make right Okay, well, this is a question. And, like, I refuse to eat at P.F. Chang's mm-hmm. ever again because I can't handle that they call that Chinese food when they just, let's not. Um, but I feel like, so say if a non-Korean person really learned the cuisine and they did it well and they could have fooled me like any any Korean person could have, I would absolutely be like, damn, good job. You know, I wouldn't, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be interesting. I'd be like, wow, this is kind of like, it's surprising. Cause like not that many people who are non-Korean would open up a Korean restaurant. Um, but if the food, you know what I'm saying? It's like a cuisine. And I feel like food's a very interesting crossover mechanism. I feel yeah. like food is like such a, it's like such a great way for people to get introduced into other cultures. So, I don't know. Like when they call it fusion, I think like they're calling it out. Like this is not authentic, right? Asian food, and it's like such an umbrella term, Asian fusion. You know <laughs> what I mean? That just means there's a lot of soy sauce in it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, with PF chains, I think their audience isn't you. Obviously, I know. It's um, but but you know, they're but they're yeah. peddling this off as like. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what it is and what the documentary says, it's like this isn't actually Chinese food. It's it's really American food. Like the most American food you can get. It's basically literally. American food with the Asian kind of, you know, it is fusion food pretty much because it's you no know, Chinese style sauces and stuff like that, but it's like American food. But um, going off of um, another part of his question about, you know, like specific Hawaii, you know, like, you know, it's huge tourist industry all about the culture. They're like not just the whole culture, just certain parts like the luau, the dances, the hula, things like that. I think it's kind of like what's happening in China right now with a lot of the Aboriginal communities. Some, they can't make a living doing just farming or whatever because they have to have modern amenities now. So all they really have is their culture to sell, right? So they put on shows, they sing, they dance for tourists who come and like pay them to, you know, show them the dances of their people. But it's kind of like all the context is sticking out, right? It's just performing. I don't know. I, I haven't traveled enough outside of the country recently to be able to comment. But it's like who, who gets called out to, for having to be authentic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like white people never have to be authentic. Right. Like yeah. we don't even we don't even know or care about what that means. Yeah. But why why is like why is everybody else under the lens for having authentic. to represent some kind of authenticity yeah. when the, the film I mean the general so film you're talking about mm-hmm. the point of that is that forget authenticity yeah. who even knows what that means mm-hmm. so why don't we just like live our lives and eat the kind of foods we want it and cook the kind of foods with the ingredients that we have access to and embrace that if somebody but if somebody wrote like oh uh, if some Joe Schmo out there said, hey, I run an authentic Korean restaurant. And I, I was like, I'd be able to tell, like, no, it's not. I'd be mad about that. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And, and we, I think as Asian Americans, we have our own kind of authenticity. It's like mm-hmm. what our parents made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, when I go to China or Taiwan, like, it's, it doesn't, I mean, it's authentic in some ways because I'm told it is. But, but so you don't know. My yeah. stomach thinks that my mom's cooking is the authentic Chinese Exactly. Food. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so I think as Asian Americans, we have an opportunity to maybe create our own sense of what is our uh, what represents us culinary wise yeah. yeah yeah that's why i think it's uh, kind of weird and exciting you know like the the kogi the, the, the trucks the the fusion tacos yeah um people people talk them and... talk about them as fusion but to us growing up in a certain place at a certain time those don't feel like uh, like a fusion of cultures to me that's yeah. just those are just the things i had access yeah. to like right. when when 
when I when we barbecued when I was a kid, you know, we would buy the marinated ribs from the market, and then we would have tortillas there because you know you put the meat in there and you eat it, and because it's tasty know? and it's cheap yeah. and it's there. It's available. It's just what we had, yeah. It's called being. It's called cuisine. You just work with what you got and yeah. you make it good. You make it good. Yeah. Did we answer the question? I think we kind of answered it. He does have one follow-up question. Let me pull it for you. <laughs> After the smiley face. After the smiley face, he emailed another question. This one's specifically for Minji. Oh, perfect. Oh God. So everyone else, take a break. Oh God, Brandon, why? No. All right. Hit me with it. All right. Brandon continues. Okay. As if I wasn't long-winded enough, I just <laughs> want to add one more thing to the idea of selling one's own culture. Since you, Minji, uh-huh. are an actress, uh-huh. how do you feel about Asian American actors playing roles that perpetuate negative, inaccurate stereotypes? Would you ever accept a role that might be negative, inaccurate? Is there anything wrong with accepting those roles since this is many people's livelihood? Hitting the nail on the head, Brandon. Um, I've thought about that question a lot. Um, just because I've preemptively envisioned what I might deal with should I find commercial success in LA, which is my goal. Um, I expect it, to be perfectly honest. Um, It's really crazy for me to learn more about the industry because everything's changing so rapidly, not only diversity-wise, but just like the medium's changing so much, the way people consume it, so the opportunities are changing. For example, before, I think... Everything was very studio-driven, so really only movies and TV were an option. But now TV has changed so much, and now you have Netflix, you have Amazon. So there's a lot more people making stuff, right? So And people are no longer under the rule, under the thumb of like certain studios having to fit a certain mold that they would only allow and fund and allow to be aired, right? YouTube has changed the game. So again, there's just like a variety of things. But still, on a, in a mainstream way, people are used to certain things. They're not going to be acclimated to different cultures or different faces that easily, even though we have made huge steps in the last few years. So given that, I absolutely expect stereotypes to still exist. The different opportunities that I have because I'm still very, very new to it. Um, it's kind of like the low-hanging fruit versus the, the fruit up at the top. I, I'm, I'm going to guess that I'm going to have to play like a nerdy Asian here, um, maybe a fob there. Because those are going to be opportunities for me to get on camera, mm-hmm. period. Um, but will I it's take like it? Uh-huh. Ki Hong. Yeah. Like well, I mean, even like when they, I first saw you know. Ki Hong's role, I was like super turned off. I was like, why do they do that? And I love Tina Fey. I was like, Tina, why'd you do that? But I do see the merit, and we've we've talked about it. And I know that they're trying to develop a real, and they have been. And Ki Hong's been doing a great job at, at at that role. And over watching the episodes, like my mind has changed. But still, like again, if I had it my way, I would rather just play me. I'm I'm almost thirty. I've been in this country for my entire life. I don't have any accent. And if I had it my way, I don't want to play things that are inauthentic to me that I just, I feel like it's like a caricature um, or cartoon. But if it came up and it was a paid gig and I get to be on camera, put it in my reel, put it in a credit, yes, I would take it. That's the hard truth. And I don't like that. I don't like that I would play something that I think is perpetuating a stereotype. I hate that. Like it, in principle, it, it kind of makes, but as a, as a, as a professional, you know, there will, I, I, 
certainly don't want that to be the determining role of my career. I, I would really want to work my butt off just to make sure that that credit disappears as quickly as possible, <laughs> probably. No offense to all my future, you know, people hiring me. Um, but that's just honestly, it's not my ideal role. Um, and I hope that people, if this ever goes out into the universe of anybody who's ever going to write something to ever be created, um, if you do make a character like that, again, there there's space for that. There are a lot of international students that may not, you know, they have really great stories too. I know a lot of them. Um, if if I were assigned to play one of them, I would I would study the hell out of it. I would I would perfect the accent. I would work my butt off to make sure that that's not a caricature. But I don't have complete creative control over that that's the honest truth i'm part of an ensemble the actor is not they're quite frequently the puppet honestly um they're part of a project that other people wrote other people are directing other people are editing and other people are distributing it is very much out of your hands but that's my honest answer i would take it um but i would (laughs) i would find some way to like no. So, you know, this character would be really great if he was just like, <laughs> like I'd find some way to, because I don't know how to shut up, but I would do it respectfully and I would do it in efforts to really be like, look, I grew up here and this is what I yeah. think. I mean, also you end up with those situations, like you heard about what happened at the Adam Sandler movie, right? Like a bunch of Native Americans who like just weren't happy with how they were portrayed just walked off the set. If it was blatant. You know? Yeah. So to, okay. Let me, let me, let me edit, <laughs> not edit, but like add to it. If it was like blatantly something I can't stomach and actually, you know, I'm pretty sensitive to stuff. If it was something that I really just didn't see contributed to any sort of um, good conversation or something that could in any way like enlighten people or people could look at this character and be like, oh, I kind of get, I, I, I root for this person or I get this person more because she played it. I went, I... I would have to figure out a way to get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like there would be, there's a line. Like I wouldn't just be like anything. Like, trust me, I get casting calls all the time still for like geishas and strippers and girls to like, stri- and like live events in LA all the time still. Swear to God, guys. And I'm not trying to say it happens everywhere every day, but it still happens regularly. There are live events asking, please provide your own geisha costume. Swear to God, last month. Because we all have them in our closets, right? Yeah, because I, I have, have tons of, because <laughs> I need I to stand to there to have a long dress with a slit up to my butt, you know, to serve hors d'oeuvres to somebody. It still happens, you know? But I think it sort of speaks to, like, I think the anger is often misdirected at the actor because, you know, people don't know that, you know, it's an ensemble thing. And, yeah, the actor comes in and they have a job to do and they didn't write the lines. And, you know, if it's, obviously if it's something that's very, very, very offensive, then yeah. I guess maybe you could judge. But a lot of the times, like, maybe you're in there and, you know, just because you see a certain description d- doesn't mean that in itself will necessarily be a caricature, right? Like, right. I think, like, it's sort of like, you know, when they talk about fresh off the boat, right? Like, just because they're... Um, they have accents that doesn't mean that they're caricatures. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So like an actor can probably go in and think, you know, oh, maybe I can create a character. Out exactly. Of this, you know, you that's so, and that's a that's an and attitude that's the thing. goal, I think. Right. But um, you're like, I, I can be the change I want to see. Yeah, in the maybe world. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it doesn't happen because they don't have control. So I think sometimes it's very easy to be like, oh, God, that actor shouldn't have done that. Like, I would have never done that. 
but you know, right. sort of knowing the reality of how things are put together and also just the reality of the life of an actor, you know, you it's need to work. You it's need to highly work. competitive. And the, the way that you get work is to work. You need, you need credits and you need, um, footage and you need to have people vouch for you and say that, yeah, Minji's a great actor. She shows up on time. She knows her lines and she, she killed her scene. And, and there you go. That's like, sometimes that's all you're thinking about. Like, that's my next job because there's thousands of actors and only so many roles. Like if you get the shot, you're going to take it. So in that way, I completely don't like hold it against actors like, God, that was a sorry move. Like, no, like I get it. But like not everyone gets that. So I get that too. But yeah. it's it's a rough spot to be in. But, you know, again, if you're working and doing what you love, then like you only have so much room to, for complaining. And yeah. you also have the choice to like turn something down. Hard as it may be. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I don't. Or I don't know if we want to go into this. You can edit it out if it's too long. But I, I'm not an actress, obviously. But I remember um, I did a profile on Matthew Moy, uh-huh. um, so the two broke girls um, actor that got a lot of hate. Yeah. And I remember even um, I was writing it for like Audrey Coriam, and I think, and I think you know the first instinct is like, no, we are not talking to him we are not covering this you know what I mean like this was so offensive he took us back you know what I mean mm-hmm. and to me I guess I think I saw it less like from a political angle and more just as a journalist I'm like wait if he wants to talk to us like why would you not talk to him you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I feel like like I'm coming at from it from that perspective sort of covering people in entertainment and sort of talking to him and you know I, and it's sort of like when you really hear the story behind stuff like you you get why he took it you don't have to agree with him but it's not so much like it's not like he looked at this thing and said this is offensive but i'm gonna make a lot of money doing it you know (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like this is an opportunity and whatever you know yeah and i sort of as i was researching that story like you you under you realize a lot of people try to get that role you know like people like like, I don't want to name names, but, but it's because not even that big of a deal who it is. But it's sort of like as an actor, you get called into a lot of things. And then that was a competitive role that he got. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, a recurring role in the CBS comedy is like that's guaranteed work for like a little while, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like he he's doing it in a way that he can. You know, people probably want him to do more. Yeah. But like he doesn't have control over that. And yeah. really, like, like he's a pretty good comic actor you know so you know you never know if somebody else had that role it could be even worse and that's the thing like everyone just complains about it but it's in the end it's sort of like people either keep watching it or they don't right like that's something that everybody talked about all the time but nobody really talks about anymore it's still like one of the most successful shows yeah (laughs) it's a super cutthroat industry and actually like again like wall street is not for me but like hollywood for some reason i'm like really intrigued by it and i'm not praising it or putting all this like glittery gold on it it's awful there's a lot of awful things but i'm intrigued by how the system works and um there's a lot of great things like a lot of really great art has come out of this industry this film music entertainment industry it's our culture that gets reflected and so for me i'm like there are going to be the critics outside of it there's going to be people in it who can criticize it as well and i think they can have kind of more weight but it's like having a balance of the two and then 
also, you know, this is, I've been saying this a lot to like our collaboration staff and to our volunteers and our listeners. I'm saying this to everyone right now. If you have an, a, a creative inclination, you know, people always think about stuff in front of the camera or they think about like, they think of actors, musicians, and then directors, but that's not it, man. Like there's so, so many jobs that go into, it's an industry, just like how tech industry, not everyone's an engineer. They're like, you have production people in, in tech, you know? So I say, um, the more diversity that we get, and I'm not just talking about Asian American, but I'm talking about just different perspectives, different ages, um, genders. Come on, guys, like different socioeconomic backgrounds from different places. We don't need all Californians to run Hollywood. You know what I mean? I want people from New York, from Canada, from all over the world to like contribute to make it a truly creative process to represent and maybe and as people move up in the ranks in different areas in production in like producing things or editing things or funding things then then I feel like it can balance out because that also like it all affects what ends up on your screen and what ends up on your radio so there's like that whole back end stuff of like man there's a lot of great opportunities besides just being a creative you can also be very business oriented and impact something that really does shape culture and society I think that's really cool so if you guys are listening to this you know don't limit yourself to Silicon Valley Come to LA. That's not where all the Asians are. Huh? I'm saying like there, that. There's a lot of opportunity, and I think that's that's a huge um, place of of power and influence in a good way that um, can make a difference. And everyone kind of like gears towards like the celebrity side and the faces and all that stuff. But people, the decision makers, we gotta. I think that's something that we really ought to. Yeah. Laser focus on. Yeah, and. Cool. Hope that and now your, I brought a <laughs> hope that answers your question, Brandon. <laughs> um, and I think that'll do it. Um, thanks again to Ada and Brian for joining us on this week's Collabcast. Um, it was great talking to you guys and hearing your perspective on a lot of things. And um, hope to have you guys back again sometime. Uh, maybe um, in our new office where we won't be sitting on the floor. No, but we can like have tea here and stuff. <laughs> All right. Thanks and for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. Um, well, uh, We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.